Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and today is episode 87 of the podcast, and I get to sit down with CEO, co-founder, and PR extraordinaire, Jennifer Willingham. Jennifer has worked on movies, books, TVs. She worked all over the media outlets, and she talks about what it means to find your brand, to find your voice, to be authentic. And I just thought, what an incredible conversation to have heading into a new year. Sit down with somebody who can really help us dial in on what it means to feel like we are speaking from our heart in an authentic way. She's also put together an essential do-it-yourself publicity guide. I know you're going to love. It's free, downloadable. She did it all for you. And uh, I just think that you're going to fall in love with this incredible voice in media. So the best compliment you can give us, leave us a rating or review, share this episode with a friend, let Jennifer know what you thought about her on the episode today, and, uh, and give her a follow on socials. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Jennifer Willingham. Jennifer, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. I'm thrilled to be here. I don't know who um, conned you into having me, but I'm so grateful that they did. <laughs> uh, so you've done work across so many different industries. As I was really diving into your experience and your background, movies, books, TVs, uh, t- TVs, no, just TV episodes. One of the first questions I wanted to ask is, um, what's your favorite type of project to work on to do publicity for? Yeah, my favorite kind of project is anytime that there is um, a covert spiritual message. And by that, I mean, if it looks on the outside like it's secular, but there's this underlying spiritual content that we mm. can sort of take it and sort of infiltrate uh, the mainstream world with it, that's my very, very favorite thing. And so an example of that was a couple of years ago, um, we were working on a film with Sony called All Saints, and John Corbett was cast as this pastor. So it was a true life story from a little town here in Tennessee near where I live. Um, and John played the role so beautifully. And if people who are listening who don't know who John is, he had a successful role for many years on a show called Sex in the City that I'm sure no one's ever watched that listens to your podcast. <laughs> right. Um, but he's like a well-known actor. If you saw his picture, you'd know who he is. And so we just had the most success getting him in interviews where he would talk about the Lord. And it was edifying and humbling. And so to me, that's like, that's like the pinnacle of what we do is when we can get to that that market of people who weren't expecting to hear about Jesus today, but yet they did. They turned on the Today Show and they didn't know they were going to hear about him, but then they did. And so that's my very, very, very favorite thing to do. I love that. I love that. And and it it really makes me wonder what it must be like for you as as a founder and CEO of a very successful company that's that's growing like crazy, even despite the pandemic. Um, in, in an industry that's not known for its Christian values, right? If we think about media, we think about Hollywood and all, all the different New York City, even like all the different places. Uh, how, how do you how, how do you live in the tension of being in media and yet holding on to your Christian values? Well, the good news is it's it's pretty easy for us because as a company, we only take on projects that are um, purpose-driven. By that, I mean kingdom-centered, God-centered, Jesus-centered. And so they might look like they're not, but they all have a worldview or we don't take it. So, you know, I'm always sort of girded by that. So we Mm -hmm. don't, we aren't there working with, um, with projects that 
would be hard to keep those virtues and values, but we are in those world with those people. And so I actually count it as, as a privilege because even just today this happened, um, we're put in situations where just by being who we are, you don't have to be fake or phony or put on or preach. You just live who God's created you to be and you're salt and light in a space that is so dark that they can't help but recognize that you're different. And I've been asked a number of times over the 26 years I've been doing this, hey, wait, what's different about you? Why did you do that? Why did you say that? And so oftentimes the Holy Spirit will open up a door for someone who is not even intending to have a spiritual conversation. And they ask like a work question, like, why are you different? Why do you handle this this way? Why are you different than everybody else or these people that I've known? And it gives me the opportunity to just tell them why. And, you know, uh, I think, what is that cliche I'm going to mess up? Um, preach, use words if necessary. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like it feels like if we're just living out who we are and who we're made to be like, you don't even have to think about it. Now you've, uh, you created this company from scratch. It's, you know, it's your baby. How, how do you, how did you develop a culture that says, uh, we're going to be kingdom minded and, and yet still get the best people that you can get. Cause you're, I mean, your team's incredible. Oh. I've, I've had the privilege of working with so many of them and they've, they've helped bring some incredible authors on the podcast, which I'm yeah. super thankful for. And, um, you know, how, how do you create that culture that promotes kingdom mindedness without, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, to, that's a good question. So I think for us, you know, when we started Epic, um, however long it's been now, we we had a core group of five people that started. And so the, the core of those people had worked together in another agency and we knew we want to do something different. And so we sort mm-hmm. of launched it together and we developed the idea for the culture together as a group, which I think is a lot easier than just a single person. And then, you know, adding each person on us. So now we have 15 people. And, you know, I tell, I think culture is one of the hardest things to maintain and manage um, because you're dealing with people from all walks of life, all backgrounds. Um, I, I think that someone who, someone who is not a Christian would be welcome to work here. They would probably be a little uncomfortable though. Um, or they'd be drawn to it. So yeah. we we have to walk a fine line with, um, and we, we are in a small business suite, employ people. We have to abide by all of the, the um, legal guidelines. And also we are very clear about our purpose and our mission. And so we, we need a certain sort of background in our workers to accomplish that mission. And so the Lord has really done it. We haven't. And it's just doing the right thing at all times. And so with our team, we emphasize um, ownership and obviously teamwork. Um, but I think if I had to look at any one principle and say, this is what's worked for us, um, it would probably be trust. And so some of us came out of a sort of hairy situation together in the early days. And so there was this, this trust that we had for each other. And so as we've added new people to the team, we just, um, we're authentic with each other. We're humble. We admit shortcomings really easily here, which is not anything I've found anywhere else. And then we just really believe that it takes all of us to get it done. And so the trust that we've developed among our team, I think is the real key to, to having everybody sort of row in the same direction. And we believe also in a greater purpose. It's not just about what am I doing today? What is Molly doing today? What is Jeff doing today? It's about what is our greater purpose? What is our why as a team? And what are we trying to do? And so that sort of recenters us, even on the days when things are, are going wrong. 
When did you fall in love with the idea of lifting up other voices? I, I feel like that's a very special gift. And and for 26 years, you've been doing it in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Is that something that was born inside of you? And if so, you know, when could you first put your finger on the pulse of like, yep, I want to help that person get their message out? That's a great question. And I think that, I think for me, it probably was there all along. Hmm. And I didn't discover it until I was in college. And I lucked into an internship at a publisher, Thomas Nelson. And I got there and I was like, they are going to let me for free. Of course, it wasn't paid. They're going to let me for free, write stuff and work with authors and tell people how great the books are. Okay. I was a, I'm a speed reader. It's one of my talents. So that wow. job was super easy for me because I could read and I could write Wait, really speed well. Reader, how, many, how many books do you think you read in a year? I mean, probably more than 400. Holy smokes. Yeah. Now keep in mind, I, I work, I work no. with probably a hundred. Sure, so sure. In addition to those, I like, I am always reading. So I have a, a, a library here and I'm the, the problem with me is um, I can't always remember what I've read, uh-huh. especially when I speed read it. So I have to keep the books and I have to go back to where I've highlighted and made notes. And so, um, yeah, I think that I discovered though in college that I was like, this is a really cool vocation and a calling. And so I discovered that I was well suited for it. And then the Lord just handled it all from there. And so I've really never had to think about it. The Lord has just guided my career from day one. And, you know, it's, it's like a marketplace ministry. So I've worked for Christian companies. I've worked for super secular companies and I've counted it all as a personal ministry. Has there been one project out of the 26 years? This is like picking your favorite child. I'm, I, there's, uh, I don't yeah. know if there's any, is there yeah. one project that is like, if, if that's the, like that was your favorite, maybe not, mm-hmm. maybe not the most mm-hmm. successful. Cause I don't even know how you mm-hmm. quantify that in some of the areas, yeah. but you're like, yes, yeah. that was it. I have a couple of little favorite children. Um, one of them was a film that I would never call super cinematic, like greatness. It was called God's not dead. And if you've seen it, I mean, oh, yeah. the plot's yeah. really interesting. And that was one of the earlier films that we worked on. And the reason why I love that film is because I think that the, the concept of that stirred up an awakening in people, a mm. thirst to go see something that affirmed their values. And so that really helped me understand the film space and particularly the faith-based consumer really, really well, even more than I had to that point. And the thing that was cool to me was when we were number one um, that weekend at the box office, which is really hard to do for any film, much less a Christian film with really no named actors. Um, and that was the top grossing independent film of any kind of that year, which is hard to do. All the newscasters and they cover like in breaking news and entertainment, uh, a film called God's not dead is on top of the box office this weekend. And what I loved about that was, you know, these, these anchors who are so far away in many cases from being of the Lord or being aware of any of this subculture even, or having to say the phrase God's not dead out loud. And so that went on for weeks. And so I just got a secret pleasure every time that they had to say the name of the movie. And then secondarily, I will say that anytime we are honored to work with the Kendrick brothers, it's a dream come true. I mean, they are just amazing, you know, brothers in Christ. And I just adore them to pieces as men, um, as leaders, as filmmakers. And we're working on something with them right now, which is super exciting. I can't talk about, um, but coming fall, 
uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with them again. So, you know, we're excited. It's, it's fun. And, and all projects, um, I look to do a couple different things with every project I work on. I look to learn something from it, whether it's, you know, a great lesson or a unfortunate lesson. I try to learn because I don't like to stand still. And then I also try to be sure that I leave whatever it is better than I found it. So, you know, if it's an author who's got a big track record, you know, how can I not only promote this thing, but also move the platform ahead a little bit before I leave it? And so those are the two things I try to accomplish in addition to the deliverables on anything that we work on. Oh, I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, ha- have you ever taken a spiritual gifts test? I have. Do you remember what your spiritual gifts are? I'm wondering, I, evangelism just seems like it just pours well, out of your core. That, I'm wondering if that it, is. Yeah. So the Great Commission is really important to me. And so yeah. a couple of years ago. And I almost mentioned this project to you when you asked me that last question, but we were honored enough to work with Nick Hall and Pulse Ministry. They did this big thing at Texas Motor Speedway called Together. We had worked on a DC event Nick had done in 2016, and we had the goal was to have like a million people at the mall, National Mall in DC. I think we had 500,000, so we were halfway there, and it was like the hottest day of the summer. Um, and they the city shut us down, but when we were in Texas, I remember I think it was. It was a closing band. We had a a day, a great day full of bands and speakers on stage. Um, Priscilla Shire, Robbie Zacharias, um, lots of big names were there. And then I think it was Hillsong that closed out. Could have been Bethel, but I think it was Hillsong that closed out. And I remember feeling at that moment like like a sea change in me. And I just realized that I was even like I was doubling down in my spirit. I was doubling down that I would rededicate myself to things that only serve the great commission. And, you know, John Irwin, another filmmaker that I worked with has really, was really inspirational in that regard to me early on, because he's super passionate about the great commission and what would it be like to achieve that in our lifetime? And so that sort of stuck. And then something happened watching that performance that night at Texas Motor Speedway. And it literally felt like I was levitating. I'm a church of Christ girl. I'm super conservative. I don't have those kind of experiences. I don't know why I've been sharing it now. Um, but I felt like something special had happened. And so on the plane mm-hmm. ride home the next day, you know, I was praying and um, weeping and I'm sure people thought I was nuts, but I was literally writing down all the ways that I could increase how we could help achieve the great commission in our lifetime. And so that's been, it's been a renewed passion for me. I love that. I love that. And we're, we're, uh, we're big fans of disciple making here at the reclamation podcast. So I'm, I'm interested for somebody who's a high capacity leader, who's reading over 400 books a year, um, how do you stay rooted in your own faith so that you have something to give out of? Like, what, what are your what are your daily disciplines? What are your practices? What are your like, can't negotiate on this no matter what? Yeah, that's the hardest, right? And so um, for me, I know I'm, I've slipped when I have the knowledge in my head, but I no longer feel it in my heart. And so mm. I know that I've got to reconnect somewhere when I can say the words, but I no longer feel the words because you know, if I were a doctor and I was curing strep throat all day long, at some point I have that memorized, right? And that just muscle right. memory. Oh, let's do the strep test and you have strep and I'm going to diagnose you and treat you and it's all good. So sometimes I feel myself going into that sort of rote thing at work because it's just like, it's, I can no longer separate it anymore. And then, but when I realize that my heart's disconnected is when I have to stop and go, have I been doing in my daily disciplines? And so, um, I, I have a devotional that I do every day, first five. I've been doing that for a couple of years. Um, I really love it. And you know, when I miss it, I realize I've missed it because I'm I'm a little disconnected. And then also the way that I stay grounded in the faith, um, 
is just to be super honest with my husband and with people that I work with that I'm really close to when I feel that disconnection happen. And so for me, the busyness, the lure of what I can accomplish always wants to pull me away from sort of sitting mm-hmm. at the feet of Jesus. And so I fight that battle every single day because, you know, for me, it's way more exciting. Let's get up and let's do it versus, an, okay, wait a minute, let me sit here and let me, let me soak first. Can I soak it in first? Um, let me get right first. Um, so I just, I'm, it's a battle. I'm constantly fighting it. So that, and then um, I think for me too, self-care is really important. Oh yeah. Um, so, you know, have I made time for myself and it's not just a spiritual discipline, it's physical as well, but I, I try to pay attention to those things way more now in my forties than I ever had to do before. Yeah. Uh, something we say around here a lot is that if you're not dedicated to your disciplines, you'll be destroyed by your distractions. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to steal that. That's so good. Please please do. Please yeah. do. And it, it sounds like you've got your disciplines kind of, uh, at least you know where the guardrails are, right? So that you don't go off the off the road. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know about you, but I'll bump back and forth on those guardrails pretty I do. frequently. And I give myself grace to do that though. Because the other thing that I have going on, I have three kids and I've got a husband who's a fireman, so he's here um, two days and gone for a whole 24 hours. And so, you know, I'm juggling a lot. And so he's like a day, fire captain, isn't he? Yes, he's, he is he's, he's a fire yeah. captain in Nashville, which that's no, I mean, that's not it. like, I'm not, you know, I love, I love my little town here in Centerville, but Nashville scales a little bit differently. So that's, a, I mean, that's gotta be full of fear and yeah. like all the, no, no fear. No. no, no okay, fear. good. So, uh, he was a Marine before he was a fire captain and oh, so praise God. Uh, he served in the Gulf war. So, <clears throat> I figure that the Lord does have a purpose for his life. And so he loves him more than I do. And so obviously I pray for safety and I, I never have a moment's worry. That is awesome. I love yeah. that. Thank goodness. Right. <laughs> well, it just shows that God really knew what he was doing when he brought you guys together. Oh, totally. I mean, my husband's fearless and is a um, <clears throat> anxiety junkie. I mean, sorry, adrenaline junkie. So he will so, definitely push the limits. Um, so I, in fact, we're having him a bunch of the guys over this weekend for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure they'll tell me stories I've never heard before that I wish I could just never hear because he never tells me the risks that he you know, runs into. And I'd prefer not to know. Um, and so for him, he has disciplines too in his life. And so it's important that he take care of his body. Um, sure. So when each of us, when either one of us feel like maybe we are being a little bit fuzzy in the disciplines and the guidelines, you know, we're there to, to help keep each other accountable. Now two uh, um, two parents that are leaders, uh, how, how do you guys dial in the kids family wise? Do you guys have, do you guys have any practices that you guys do as a family in order to stay uh, rooted in, in both your faith and in mm-hmm. your connectedness? Cause I, I would imagine with two parents that are, are leading pretty big movements, albeit separate, but y- you know, like, it could be really easy to get caught up in, you know, the the, the mission yeah. that God's put you guys on. Yeah, it can be. And I think as a family too, you know, we have a big age range here. We have a 17-year-old girl, a 15-year-old girl, and a four-year-old girl that was just this late in life, unexpected blessing. It was so much joy. And so we we have to, I sort of try to do it separately with each girl. And so that okay. sort of does fall to me as the mom. I sort of become the leader of the pack here. And so um, we make a practice to, we have daily check-ins know how it just random stuff too. How was your day? It doesn't necessarily have to be a deep spiritual conversation every night. Um, but then we also do like the spiritual check-ins, like, you know, what are you learning? What are you reading? And so we try to be sure that, and it, also because our church has, they've reopened because of, for COVID, but 
there are a lot of families, including us, that have not yet gone back in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hope to do that really soon. It, it has been more challenging now without that um, to be intentional about how do we talk about faith and be sure people are growing. And so that is one of the chores or the privileges, I should say, on my to-do list for 2021 is to come up with more of a like a home-based curriculum um, that is faith-centered that we can talk. So give give me some additional a grid to go by to have intentional conversations. I'm facing one who's going to be leaving the nest in fall 2022 for college. And so what are the experiences and what are the talks we for sure need to have before you know she's launched into the world? And then for the two that are here, you know, how can I be sure that we're all growing together and growing individually in our relationship with Jesus? And that is literally the hardest job that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Cause kids are so confusing and they're all the time. They just, oh, they're just a lot. I have a, I have a um, eight year old princess and then I have two boys. And so we're not quite the experts in raising strong women. Like I would imagine that you guys are. Uh, do you have any tips for me as we hit those tween years? Just love them. You know, that's the Just only tip. You know, everything else, I'm sure um, there's great expertise out there. But the thing that I found that works, that works most, which I want to do the least sometimes, right? Just love them because you know sometimes you're so fed up, you want to lecture and you want to scold and you want to um, pound it into them. But you know, really, they they don't need that. They just need you to love them. I would imagine that that same sentiment has kind of rang true leading a business during the midst of the pandemic. Like you just have to love it. Well, what's that been like for you? I I know for me, just trying to shepherd the church here has been some of the heaviest, you know, Mm -hmm. hardest moments that it's been really hard to love the church through the pandemic because, Mm -hmm. because of, well, because of all the things that you know, right. Everything that you do is politicized and, if you mandate mass, then you feel this way. If you don't mandate mass, then you, you know, right. feel this way. And it's like, ah, yeah. how, how's that experience been like for you? And and how has Epic mm-hmm. managed to grow in this mm-hmm. weird season of, of COVID? Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm really grateful in an odd way for the pandemic, which is a mm-hmm. controversial statement, but I will explain it. It forced us to be very, very focused on what I call blocking and tackling as a business. And so I have to be very clear in my communication with our team. So you don't have the luxury in times like this, whether you're a pastor or a leader of a business, um, to be unclear anymore. So you have to, and it forces you to think because sometimes it's easy to pop off with a statement, maybe about mask wearing, um, maybe about something else and not really give it thought. But this has really taught us to be more deliberate than ever. And as a result of that, I think our team is thriving. Everybody's very clear and centered on where we are, and where we're going, what are our deliverables. So the pandemic forced us as a business to focus on the essential tasks that we think make our business run. And as a result, the and because of the Lord's blessing, we have been successful. So I don't think any of this would be possible without the Lord's favor, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how people can run a business, honestly, without the Holy Spirit's guide. Um, right. So I just, I'm so grateful that it's not based on my knowledge, my intellect or my strength because we would fail. And it's great knowing that my business partner, Jeff feels the same way. Um, and that our entire team is like-minded because we know at the end of the day, we do work like everything depends on us, but we know 
um, that any success that any of us have is not because of us, it's because the Lord's granted it. Let's talk a little bit about the voice, right? Because when the pandemic really kicked off, I did what so many other people did. And and we started putting out more and more content Mm -hmm. and uh, content-based marketing is, you know, was, was really heavy, uh, especially in March and April. And Mm -hmm. then we, you know, we just kept thinking we're going to get back to old person, old in-person church. I don't mean old as an, just the, the way that we've always done it. Right. And how, how do you challenge um, the people that you're working with, or how do you challenge the listeners who have something that they want to say? Because this is really where you, your your sweet spot is mm-hmm. is empowering people to use their voice. Mm-hmm. H- how do we just you know delineate or distinguish our voices in a very crowded crowded world that we're living in? I think the mistake most people make is trying to be something to everyone, and mm-hmm. by that I mean um, maybe your topic that you've been called to speak about is a niche topic. You know, maybe it's not supposed to be on Good Morning America. Maybe it's not supposed to be on 700 Club. Maybe it's something very specific that only this subset of people need to hear it or should hear it. And I think the mis- I think there's an ego in a lot of us, me included, that thinks, oh, well, everybody needs to know this. Well, I have found that most times when someone says this book or this film or this thing is for everybody, what that means is, is it a it is for no one because no one will ever know about it or see it. And Mm. so being honest about your audience is the first step. And then second, doing everything in your power to reach that audience. And so this is a a great example of that. Um, I was reminded recently that there are a lot of things you can do when you have zero budget. And so a lot of the clients we work with are big clients. They have big budgets, but my heart is really with the entrepreneurs or the pastors or the business leaders that don't have any budget to speak of. They're like, well, then I have no dog in this hunt. I'm left behind. Everybody can do something else. So there was a a client of ours whose name is Rob Kenny, and he has this delightful YouTube channel that blew up overnight into like 3 million subscribers called Dad, How Do I? And it's like Mm. the fishes and loaves concept. He was shooting it like on this, you know, old phone. I'm sure it was an iPhone. The, um, the production value is just homemade. And his daughter went onto a internet site called Reddit, R-E-D-T, R-E-D-D-I-T, and started posting in a couple of like I think college groups or millennial groups. And those people fell in love with her dad because he was teaching them how to tie a tie, how to make a dinner. And he, his dad left the family when he was 12. And so mm. he realized there might be other people who didn't also have a father figure to teach them how to change a tire or how to change their oil. And so he did this channel and these people found it. And it was like the most brilliant, spontaneous guerrilla marketing I've ever seen. And you know, that humbled me, Tony, in that moment, I was like, I forgot for a second that you can actually get somewhere. Um, and you don't have to spend thousands or millions of dollars. You can just tell the people who really are the, the, the group, the tribe, Tell the tribe about the thing and they will be attracted to it. And so it was a real good lesson about niche, the value of niches. And um, that that client of ours has gone on to a huge publishing deal and his book is launching in April. So we're super thrilled for him and that more people will become come to know his interesting brand of advice and counsel. And of course he's a believer out of Washington state. So we're thrilled for his success. 
that's awesome. And, and it, it kind of, it, it actually parallels really well with, um, you're, you kind of have this new resource guide out, the essential do-it-yourself uh, publicity guide. I'm, what prompted you to to put out this free resource, and and how how is what's the role of social media mm-hmm. in um, in publicity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was prompted to put that guide out because um, the Benham brothers asked me to speak at their expert ownership live conference, like their virtual online thing. And what was funny to me is I was so honored because. Some of the people I had worked with over the years, including John Maxwell, were also speakers at this event. And I was like, this is so strange and surreal that I, my little picture is, is just weird. Right. And, right. um, but it was humbling because I truly believe that if, if I could talk to everybody in the world and tell them, I don't care who you are or what fishes and loaves you have, you can make a difference in your business or church or enterprise today through these simple steps. And most people think of publicity or earned media as, oh, it's only for famous people. No, it's not. It's for you. Um, and there's a few simple, simple tips that I give in that guide that anybody can do. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to do it. So I was really motivated to give sort of a, a sort of a, a guide, if you will, for people who want to understand that more, because I believe it is the best marketing tool in the world, bar none. And then secondarily, social media, to your other part of the question, is really important as well. And so I think that what I'm seeing you now as being in this industry for a long time, I'm seeing this gradual just blurring together of all of these disciplines. And so one thing sort of blurs into another. So I think, let's say that you were on your, let's say that your town has a TV station, has a local noon show, like we do here called Talk of the Town. If you book yourself on that and talk about, you know, whatever volunteer thing you're doing at your church, um, you will get a ton of people that have never darkened your door before to come. And so right. everything, and I teach how to sort of pitch it as a solution. Um, everything should be solution-based because people really only care about what's in it for them these days. So learning to speak that language is really important. And so when you harness something like that and you get some earned media, you get some publicity, you then immediately take that hit, that clip, that whatever it is, and put it on your social media channel to amplify the reach. And so if you do those things in tandem with each other, then all of a sudden, guess what? You are now a marketer. So you might be a pastor, but you're also a marketer. You might be a homemaker who makes, who knits scarves, but now congratulations, you're a marketer. So anybody can do it. And if people could just believe in themselves, like it fires me up. I just want to hug everybody and tell them they're smart enough and they're worth it, that they can do it. I I love that. Um, How how do you, and we talked a little bit about this before we press record, how do we deal with that Christian, uh, I'm going to use maybe guilt or that Christian Mm -hmm. like hesitation or even just, you know, I I feel it here, obviously with this podcast is, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, it's really hard to not feel like I'm just constantly talking about myself on social media. Mm -hmm. And I don't want, I have no desire to be that celebrity pastor, but I believe that if people grow closer to Jesus, it'll change their life. Right. And and I'm caught in that tension. It feels Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. And I think a couple of things that I advise when, because I have a lot of clients who deal with this, um, a lot of pastor clients, in fact, who deal with this and even some mega pastors who still struggle because it feels like, oh my goodness, it just, are people going to get the ick factor? Well, first of all, you, you own it. You say, guys, the reason why I'm talking about this is not because it's about me, it's about you. And here's what this can do for you. And so the more that you personalize it for your audience and show them the solution that you have for them, you're serving them. And so once you make 
the leap in your brain of owning it and then serving, not selling, everything changes. So I said to you earlier, you know, how much do you have to hate people to not really go after them and tell them what you have for them, right? Like you must really not like um, folks in your community if you aren't shouting what you can do for them or what your church can do for them from the rooftop. And if more people can embrace that and be bold, maybe we could have already changed the world, you know, even as Christians. So if I haven't personally witnessed to my neighbors, what's holding me back? I mean, how much do I have to hate my neighbors to not tell them what Jesus has already done for them on the cross? Right. So now obviously there's, you have to use wisdom. You have to sure. you know, <laughs> lean into your discernment and you, you can't, um, you probably can't walk around town with a sandwich board. People would think you're maybe a little strange and you might lose, mm-hmm. lose some folks, but you know, within, within some guidelines of wisdom, I think that you should be fearless in telling people about how you can change their lives. And really the author of that is Jesus who gave you the gifts. Yeah. I love it. Uh, w- what's a practical example of serving, not selling look like, um, as and that may be on the spot, right? But like, no, that's I'm, good. I'm kind of curious about mm-hmm. somebody's listening here, and maybe they, God's put a message on their heart um, about you know a, a small group ministry, or they they own their own business, even, or mm-hmm. you know, and they're they're trying to be to use their platform, however big or small it is. What does serving and not selling look like? Yeah, so I've got this really, really, really smart client who is super well known in the world of finance, and. I trained him. He allowed me to train him a while back, some media training. And so he was really good at it, but he was still thinking, he wrote a book. He was still thinking he was supposed to sell a book. So Mm. in my book, in my book, in my book, I was like, no, we don't, we're not going to say that. What we're going to do instead is talk about what you have to offer as a solution. And then at the very end, you're going to say, you know, if you need a solution for, you know, I'm giving that information away in my book or I'm the information contained in my book, whatever the the truth is. And that was like a light bulb moment for him. And so Mm. authors don't want to say a thousand times an interview. Well, I detail in my book, how you can lose weight or you can, you know, do whatever the thing is. So I actually forbid them usually to even say the word book more than one time in the interview. Like just don't say (laughs) the word. Um, Instead, let's talk about the solution because it is always more powerful when people understand the solution. Um, so that that's, I wish I could tell you more of an example without giving away his identity. Um, but seeing him now give interviews, he serves because he's not so busy focused on my book available at Amazon can teach you to death. He now is like, Hey, I'm in my book. I'm giving you the solution to understanding how to lead a life of legacy. So, and if he says the name once, people are going to be hanging like, okay, what is that solution? What is that called? Um, people are going to be dying to know what it is versus bored out of their mind. And here's another author, another talking head trying to sell a book. So also, I think people can tell when you mean it. So when you are sincere and you want that transformation for them, you know, you want them to come to Christ or you want them to have a better marriage or you want them to do, you know, whatever the thing is that you can help them with, they, they feel it when they know that you mean it. And I think that that comes across. And the cool thing about, especially TV is Tony, that studies have shown that people who are watching at home, like 55% remember body language, right? Oh, wow. Only. So there's a statistic that I'm, I'm losing here about how many of the words are retained, but typically 
Um, most people remember how that person on TV made them feel. Did that person mm. seem calm? Did they seem collected? Did they seem like they had it together? And that informs way more of their judgment about you than the actual words that you said. So if people can feel that you mean it for them and you want them to win, they will be attracted to you and how you're serving them. And so authenticity is something that cannot be faked. It cannot be manufactured. You either have it or you do not have it. And there's nobody like me that can give it to you. So you have to really work on it and hone it over time until you believe it. And then you can give it away. Jennifer, do you, do you have to say no to clients who don't have that authenticity? Do you be like, yeah, I, I just don't think I can. I mean, do you have to like that? That was my first thought is like, well, what do you do in your role when somebody comes and says, hey, I want to pay you a lot of money to represent my brand, but I have a really hard time being authentic. We haven't run into too many situations like that. Um, and so I believe that nobody's beyond redemption. Uh, in a lot of yeah. a lot of situations, but also if there have there have been a few occasions where someone for whatever reason um, would not have been a great spokesperson, mm. and maybe not the authenticity factor, maybe there was something else, and so we we will never book someone for earned media or pitch them if we don't believe they're going to be an effective spokesperson. But the good news is, as an agency, we call ourselves a results agency. We offer way more than just earned media, and so we can often pivot. And use their email list or use social media or do something else sure. that can um, serve their intended audience without actually relying on them as a person. And so that's typically the route where we would pivot and go that in that other direction. It's a good yeah, question. One of, one of the things we talk about a lot in the disciple making process here at Restoration is we talk about uh, looking for somebody who's fat, faithful, available, teachable. Mm-hmm. And hmm. and I think that in your world that that's probably the same thing. You want someone who's gonna, who's you know, like you're giving tools. That it's still up to the person who's wants to use their brand to a to a certain extent to to do that part, faith be and be faithful, available, teachable. Make you know, we're always looking for fat people around here. That is so funny. I'm gonna have to use that too. So we do have clients every every now and then who don't want to be teachable, right? And so. Um, we usually self-select out of that relationship and, and are very honoring, obviously, sure. to do that because um, we want the best for them. And if they, I don't think it's best for them to pay us money and not take our advice. So if if they, um, if we're not able to serve them, I hope they, I try to help them to find someone who can. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And and it's important, right? It's important to be honest in the relationship. Like, mm-hmm. hey, it's not you, it's me. This mm-hmm. is just not going to work based mm-hmm. off of what I need. And I, I think that's important for all of us to, you know, some of us are probably hanging on to some relationships we need to self-select out of. <laughs> totally. We, we all do it. But I think that um, the other thing that, that we're known for here is being truth tellers. Yeah. So, you know, I have, I have clients who specifically come to me because they know that I will tell them the unvarnished truth and I'll say it mm. with love and as tenderly as I can, but that's specifically what they're looking for. Because sometimes, you know, they might be pastors and they might have a big staff and they may not feel like maybe people are telling them, the unvarnished truth. And so it's, it's really, it's easier for me sometimes to be in that role um, because, you know, I don't serve at the pleasure of the pastor in, in those situations. So it's easier right. for me to be truthful. That's a, a, that's a, that's a great point. You got to have people in your circle who are willing to, who love you enough to tell you the truth and, and don't need you for anything else. That's right. That's right. You know, like, it, cause the, the reality is, is, you know, Epic's going to be fine either way. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's probably going to hurt you more if you don't tell the truth in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yes, it uh, totally does. And then it frees you up because then you've known you've done everything yep. you were accountable to do. You've told the truth in love. 
Um, and honestly, sometimes it's an opinion and you lead with that. Like, you know, this is not scientific fact. This is my opinion of the situation. Your mileage may vary, go and choose. And so as long as, you know, we know that at the end of the day, um, we have, we have honored what the Lord has called us to do in that situation, then everybody sleeps really well here. Now, one of the things about the truth is, um, with the social media world that we live in, there's a lot of truth that's oftentimes thrown around <laughs> that yes, is actually is. just a, that's, that could be opinion, opinion at times, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, so I, one of the, one of the things that I was dying to ask you is how do you counsel people on the trolls <clears throat> in their life? You know, that, that, because there's always going to be trolls, people who, who want to share their opinion. Cause you know, you know, you're a content creator. When you put your content out there, um, it's a vulnerable mm-hmm. moment, you know, like it, when you're preaching or teaching or writing something and you put it out there and then all of a sudden, you know, Bob from Wapakoneta, you know, decided he was going to unleash his, why your heretic theology on you yeah. or, or whatever the case right. is. How, how do you tell your clients and how have you, because, yeah. you know, you're kind of a, you're a leader in the community, right? How have you dealt with trolls? So first of all, um, with clients, um, and we have sort of two reactions to that. We either get angry clients mm. who are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe so-and-so said that. I'm going to block them. Well, I want you to call them. I want you to reach out to them. Um, and secondly, you know, we get the tearful thing. It's, oh my goodness, they've hurt my feelings so much. I can't believe they said that on my platform. So I remind them that whatever the person said is way more about that person who said it than it mm. is about necessarily them that they have provoked a response. And then I'll also ask them, is it true? Is there anything that is truthful in what they've said? So with scriptural issues, which we can interpret sometimes differently than our brother or sister, um, it's often really a useful activity to just think about that for a second and just re-examine your position and why you have the position that you have. And every now and then, someone brings up a really good sort of thing you forgot about or something you don't Mm. want to think about. Um, And so I think that it's, taking from the comment anything that's good or useful and leaving anything that is not there on the playing field. And you just go on about your business because if the Lord has called you to serve or to speak or to teach or to write, um, you need to do that to the best of your ability. And you know what? Some days you might miss the mark. Maybe you posted something that is maybe not super reflective of what you meant to say. So then you then have the ability to make the decision to alter the content, take it down, whatever. I don't ever advise in sort of getting into a he said, she said on social. So if there's someone who brings up something about your content that offends them, I think it's totally okay to reach out in order to have a greater understanding of whatever their opinion is, if you'd like to. Um, and then if they're, you already know that they're off base and it's not going <clears> to <throat> yield much for you, then I think it's fine just to keep, keep on scrolling. I wish more people had the self restraint to just keep on scrolling. Instead, we want to just attack our neighbor. I had a guy I don't even know who came to my Facebook page a couple months ago who wanted to argue with me and drop a couple of F-bombs on my personal Facebook page. And I was like, dear John, I don't know you. I don't allow that kind of language here. And first of all, truthfully, I can argue with people I already know and have a relationship with. So I'm not going to argue with a stranger on the internet. You've not got enough of that here. Um, and so he um, blocked me. 
uh, came to my page and then he wound up blocking me. So it, it's <laughs> did just your favor. <laughs> a, a, right. Yeah. It's a sign of the times. So I think we just can't take it personally, but we need to extract every bit of um, goodness out of those mm. comments because sometimes there are nuggets of goodness there, but you've got to be secure enough to examine it to see if there is before you just, you know, wholesale discard it. I love that. I love that. Um, one of the other things I love that you guys do at Epic is you use the hashtag we are Epic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if, if you're listening, I, I just invite you to go over to Instagram or wherever you like to scroll for things and, and hashtag we are Epic and see some of the content you're putting out. Um, I, it feels like there's so much emotion when I read that hashtag we are Epic. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I now knowing you a little bit, it feels like that that's a, a rally cry. How did you guys come to this, like um, this hashtag and, and what does it mean from your perspective? I would love to say that we did a lot of market research, Tony, and through a very exhaustive search have um, came up with the very best hashtag. Honestly, it was Jeff's gut reaction because Epic like hashtag Epic was taken for other mm. things. And so it was like, one of those things we find ourselves in in, the, in this century of social media and all the good stuff's gone. So sort of like our epic.inc URL. So epic.com was taken and everything else was like a bazillion dollars. We wanted something really short. It's okay, fine, epic.inc it is. So I think that the We Are Epic, and I've, I've worried about that a little bit, so I'm glad that you asked me about that. I don't want anyone to ever, ever, ever feel like that says we're all that in a bag of chips. What that really is, is we, the team, yeah. Are like we're this together. We are you, you could call it we are Nike. We are Publix. We are Kroger. This is just who we are as a team. This is our little tribe. Our name is Epic. So it doesn't it it is not intended to be like a double entendre that we're super great. Um and you know naming is a hard 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 art and um it uh, the, our last company that I co-founded was named Icon. So it's, it is hard to find a name that can, in a couple of letters, signify something interesting. And so I don't know that we've got it right necessarily with the We Are Epic hashtag, but I'm grateful that it has at least provoked some interest. And I do think if people will look at our content, they'll find there the heart behind it and they'll see that we, we do strive to be humble. We do strive to be um, servants in the kingdom. And, you know, we do exist to amplify everybody else's voices. We're not here to hear our own. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because I, I never thought of the idea of you guys calling yourself Epic. So I, whoever's creating your content out there on your team, they're doing a great job because what, when I read it, what I heard was, is like, you know, the, the people who are in our brand, the people who are mm-hmm. on our team, the people who mm-hmm. we, it, it seems like get the privilege to again, yeah. serve and not sell. Mm-hmm. We're serving them. We're not mm-hmm. selling them. They, um, you know, we are Epic, you know, we, you know, we are, we are both. And it just, it, it feels really good from, from just I'm an so outsider's glad. perspective. I will give Jeff a high five and tell him it came from you. <clears throat> That's awesome. <laughs> um, so anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't cover? We covered about a million different things. I know we did. It's been so good. You've asked so many good questions. I would just say that if anybody's listening to this and they have something they feel they are called to achieve or do, um, I would say stop dreaming and start doing. 
Mm. Why not you? I think that most people struggle with mindset issues and it's not a lack of qualification. It's not a lack of talent. Um, it's not usually a lack of resources. That's a lie we tell ourselves. I think most of the time we don't believe in ourselves. And so we know that scripture tells us, um, how do we, how can we do all things, Tony? You can fill in the blank. We do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And so I certainly don't think that makes me believe I can be an astronaut tomorrow, but I do think what that means is, um, that I can certainly accomplish some extraordinary things, um, in the name of Jesus that will better the planet and leave it better than I found it. And I think that we spend so much time on the sidelines worrying about that thing, dreaming about that thing that we just need to get up and do it. And so hopefully um, if you are a small business owner or an entrepreneur, um, some of these tips we've shared today will help you because I really want people to feel empowered to do it for themselves. Everything in the world today basically besides heart surgery is DIY. Let's just face it. There's, there's almost anything today that you want to do. You can learn how to do. And I just encourage people to, I mean, come visit us, ask us if you have questions, we are always glad to share our expertise for free. Um, And I just encourage that person listening today that needs to feel that confirmation. Um, Don't tarry, do it. I love that. I love that. Uh, If, our friends want to follow you on the interwebs. Where is the ba- the best place to learn more about you and about Epic? Yeah. And- <clears throat> it's great. Our website's epic.inc. Um, they can find me uh, at Jen Willingham on Instagram and Jennifer Willingham on Facebook. And then, um, you know, we are Epic on Instagram as well. So we'd love to connect and hear from them. But thank you, Tony. You're such a great interviewer, man. I love how your podcast is blowing up, man. You're oh, fantastic. well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, now I do have one final question to ask you. It's the last question I always love to ask people. Um, it's an advice question to yourself. Mm-hmm. So I want you to go back and talk to the intern mm-hmm. who's getting ready to start at Thomas Nelson. First mm-hmm. day, you're looking yourself in the mirror. If you could go b- back and talk to that younger version of yourself, what's the one piece of advice that you give yourself? Hands down, it's don't overthink it. Hands down. Don't overthink it. Um, so many of us, probably, especially women, even really accomplished women overthink everything. So it's mm-hmm. like analysis paralysis. Yeah. And so I would just reinforce to her that I value making mistakes way more than I thought I would have back in those mm-hmm. days. Don't be terrified of making a mistake. Failure is not final, which I think I'm stealing that from my friend, John Maxwell. Um, but I do think that don't overthink it is something everybody should tell themselves at least once a day. That's beautiful and a wonderful place to end. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time today and for being so generous. We're going to link to the Essential Do-It-Yourself Publicity Guide. So make sure you pick up your copy. I've already downloaded mine. It's really helpful, really helpful. And I just appreciate all that you're giving into the community. Oh, thanks, Tony. Pleasure to be here. Blessings. Isn't Jennifer just incredible? I think she's such an important voice. And I love the way that... Um, she is a company owned by a Christian and versus overtly being a Christian company. I think that's so important for so many of us to live into our faith wherever God had us planted. And I know Jennifer is doing that at Epic. Also, follow Epic on social media. They have a great hashtag, we are Epic, or hashtag totally Epic. Some really fun things happening there in their company. And a lot of the interviews that I get from uh, for the Reclamation podcast come from the Epic agency. So really great authors there. You can already 
uh, tell just by the way Jennifer has created this culture in her business. Again, thank you so much for being a part of our community. Leave that rating or review. It really does help people find us. Share the episode wherever you can. It means the world to me. We read every single one of them. Thank you so much, and I look forward to connecting with you guys real soon.